0: Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com Has anybody ever played um, the game, but why? Why? The game, but why? It's a really fun game. It's a two player game, pretty simple game. Um, you need one child and one adult. Uh, child about five is probably perfect. Um, what the child does is they ask you about something that's just popped into their head and they say, but, but why? And you have a little scratch of your head and you think about how to answer the question and you, you give a thoughtful, measured, balanced response. And then the kid says, "But why?" "But why?" Sebastian's got it, and you and you kind of you go around the circle. Whatever the answer is, you you provide another answer, and then they say, "But why?" "But why?" "But why?" And it goes on and on and on. It's a really fun game, and it can last a little while. Um, (laughs) Exactly. There's a there's a reason that kids like to play "But why?" And I'm about to explain. It's because why is the most important question that we can ask about all sorts of different things. (laughs) Whether we're five years old or 95 years old or or Sebastian years old. Um, And if we keep on asking why, um, we will eventually, if we're a person of faith, we're going to find ourselves right at the beginning of the Bible. We're going to find ourselves in the first few chapters of Genesis, the first few chapters of everything. Because that's the first place to look. For answers to these really big questions—the questions like why am I here, uh, where did I come from, what am I supposed to be doing with my life, and why is everything really hard—if um, you were here last week, you'd have heard Tom preaching on the origins of humanity, and the big idea was that God deliberately made people different from the animals. Uh, he made us in the image of God, and. Tom explained that that's not, that's not about kind of one thing in particular. He's not saying, God isn't saying, oh, because you're intelligent, you're in my image. Um, he's not talking about anything specifically. It could be intelligence, spiritual nature, dignity, capacity for love, special rights and responsibilities. It's actually kind of all of those things mushed together that mean that as humans, we have a family resemblance with almighty God. And last week, we were thinking specifically about one of those Threads, one of those themes, the fact that we have dignity and worth as humans because we're made in God's image. And this morning we're going to follow up another thread um, based on being made in the image of God, and that is work. What's work all about? Why do we have to do it? Why does it suck sometimes? Uh, And what should I do about it? Um, And before we crack on, disclaimer right at the start, work doesn't just mean paid employment. I'm including all sorts of things in my definition this morning. Obviously paid employment is a, is a big one, um, but also things like volunteering, things like studying, things like cooking dinner, things like doing the dishes, clearing up after the kids, fitting shelves and making furniture, gardening, pottery, painting, prepping a Bible study, clearing up after church. There's all kinds of things that take up a decent amount of time that uh, involve some concerted effort. They involve our, our brains and our bodies. They're sometimes satisfying and they're sometimes frustrating. And they fit in with God's creation command to fill the earth and subdue it. And that's the command in Genesis chapter 1. So that's, that's my definition of work this morning. So uh, we need to work out what that means for us in our day-to-day because it's going to be different for every single one of us. And if you're anything like me, you look at that list going, yeah, time-consuming, I get that. <laughs> Effortful, yeah, check. Satisfying, yet frustrating, yeah, that's probably true for most of us. Uh, but ruling the world, you might look at that and go, oh, I'm not quite sure how that, how, that, how that figures out. But according to Genesis, that's exactly where work comes from um, And my prayer this morning is that we get a renewed sense of purpose in whatever it is we spend our time doing as we see how it fits into God's creation mandate, God's big picture. So if you brought a Bible, we're going to start um, on probably page one, maybe page two, Um, Genesis chapter one, verse 26. We're going to read from day six of creation. Verse 26, God said, let us make mankind in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So man, God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. I've given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he'd made. And behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning. The sixth day. Let's reflect for a moment. God saw everything that he'd made. And it was very good. At this point in the story, everything is in its rightful place. Um, if you've enjoyed the return of the Great British Bake Off this week, you could say God received the world's first Hollywood handshake on day six. Good job. And yet, when we look at verses 28 and 29 and get Paul Hollywood off the screen (laughs) in more detail, (laughs) we see that this perfect, very good world, it it wasn't like a painting or a sculpture, it wasn't something to put on a pedestal and admire, Not at all. This perfect world of Genesis chapter 1 is busy. It's something to participate in more than look at. It's full of life and activity. Perfect life and perfect activity. The command is, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Behold, I've given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth for food. I meant to bring with me a little packet of sunflower seeds. I forgot. You'd have had a little demonstration of me eating one because sunflowers are good for food. Um, If you go to France in the summer, you'll see that they've done their level best to fill the earth with sunflowers. Um, But even when everything goes exactly to plan, if you're growing sunflowers, there's quite a lot of work involved when you think about it. You've got to prepare the ground. You've got to plant the seeds. You've got to water You've got to wait patiently most of the summer, and then you harvest them, and then eat them. harvesting's quite a lot of work, and then just to eat them, you've got to like shell the seeds and get the edible bit out of the middle. But these verses suggest that sunflower farming and you know agriculture in general was part of God's good creation. And when we go into the next chapter, into Genesis chapter two, which is Still in the Garden of Eden, still in God's perfect creation, it makes it even more explicit, is chapter 2, verse 15. The Lord God took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. So I think there can't really be any debate. Farming and gardening are both parts, both good parts of creation and part of what God means when he says, fill the earth and subdue it. So, which means that some people think of work as something that keeps us busy before we retire um, or a grim inevitability of life, a little bit like death or taxes. Um, but Genesis says work was originally good and work, work is a good thing from God. Work was there right in the beginning and there's going to be work in the new creation of some description in the second Eden. I can't tell you exactly what it's going to look like but it'll be there. And I think Genesis is, I've talked about farming and agriculture, but the vision for work is a lot bigger than just growing things. I'm not saying that we all need to move to France and start farming sunflowers. Life is all about living out our identity as children of God and as creatures made in God's image. And what does God do in Genesis chapter 1? He spends his time organising and creating things which sounds quite a lot like work to me the earth starts out formless and empty a kind of messy jumble of stuff everywhere a disorganized chaos and then on day one god organizes he separates the light from the darkness day two he organizes he separates the heavens from the earth uh heavens from the waters And day three, again, it's kind of the same thing. He organizes, he splits off the land from the sea. It's a lot of kind of admin. (laughs) Day four, he fills the light with the sun and the darkness with the moon and stars. Day five, he fills the waters with fish and the skies with birds. Day six, he fills the land with animals and humans. He's ordering things, he's creating things. That's who God is and that's what he does. And so when we're made in his image ordering things and creating things is part of our remit god ordering things and creating things is how we made amazing and beautiful things like like these uh like this and and like this and as humans when we work when we order things separate them harness them create them that's us reflecting and expressing something of god Here's an example. It's an example courtesy of a couple of men who were both called Abraham Darby. And i got to warn you, I studied chemistry and geology at university. So this example involves rocks. Yeah. <laughs> lots, lots of rocks. Three big piles of rocks. A pile of red rocks, a pile of black rocks, and a pile of grey rocks. Oh, and a, and a river. Um, you see the rocks are on one side of the river. And you need to get them to the railway, which is on the other side of the river. But luckily, these aren't just any old rocks. You've dug them up very carefully, and you know what to do with them. Because if you order, separate, harness, and create with just these three piles of literally rocks, you can show something of the image of God in in Shropshire for this specific example. So start with the black rock, heat it up, uh, and you'll get a new, harder Black Rock, and then once you 've got the red rock, the black rock, and the gray rock, you all you do is you throw them in the air basically at a thousand degrees, you throw them in the air, and then what happens is the black rock burns away, you get uh, a, a, it decomposes into this aggressive toxic gas that would kill you. Um, then a thousand degrees would also kill you, so <laughs> don't worry about it too much. Um, that <laughs> That gas will eat away at the red rock and it will cause it to transform into little droplets of shiny stuff. Uh, and the grey rock, that's caustic, uh, and that will take away impurities from the black rock and the red rock. And all this happens just when you throw them into the air together at 1,000 degrees. And then at the end, there's a, there's a few more steps, uh, but you need to ask Andy Wilson about those. At the end, you get Iron Bridge. <laughs> <laughs> I've been there as well. Uh, Iron Bridge is something that is so interesting and useful and beautiful that in 200 years' time, people will still be coming from around the world to go there and to marvel at it. Um, And for me, it's an example of Genesis 1 work. It's filling the earth and it's subduing it. You can now cross the river there in a way that you really couldn't before. And that's part of God's good design for mankind. Now, I know what some of you are thinking which is out of all of the examples of human creation yes. on earth why on earth did I choose an old bridge in Shropshire well, I think the truth is we all find different things interesting and uh, we will all marvel at different things if you look at that and go eh, yeah. just just like swap it for something in your head that is also man made that also makes you go wow um, and, in, and, and in any of those if you think through what was involved in making them and who was involved there's all kinds of Different skills, all kinds of different talents. If you're watching, like, if uh, we're talking about things to marvel at, if you're watching like the Avengers movie, you see the end credits at the end, and there's thousands of people involved in making those films, all with different skills, all with different talents. There's, uh, and, and not all people who kind of make films. There's people who are good at HR who are involved in the making of a movie. All sorts of different things are involved in creating stuff, and it's all part of how we reflect. God's image. Now, you might not be in the business of bridge building, you might not be in the business of agriculture, Uh, you might not be in the business of making Marvel movies, but I bet there's something that you've done this week that has given you immense satisfaction. Something that's made you smile to yourself and go yeah, that was good, that was a job well done. Uh, For me it was putting out a flag before the service, Andy said it was a Job well done. Um, The world is a slightly better place now that you've done something that you did last week. Maybe you made something. Maybe you made a scarf or a shed or a chili con carne. Maybe you wrote something like a report or a song or a really cool spreadsheet. Yep, there we go. Maybe you organised something like a photo album or a party or a rota. Or maybe it's something you did a really long time ago but... Every time it's every time you see it, it still gives you a lot of pleasure. Or maybe it's something that you tidied, like a, a pile of dishes or a dirty nappy. Because if you imagine a world where nobody <laughs> washed dishes or changed nappies, that's yeah. Let's not let's not think about that for too long. Next time is the, ch- the challenge. Next time you do something that you think has made the world a better place. Please take a moment to indulge that feeling of pleasure and satisfaction you get because you need to recognize and I need to recognize it comes from playing our part in God's creation mandate. It's part of what we're made for, filling the earth, subduing it. And so next time you get that feeling, thank God that he's got you involved in his plan for the world. Can we do that? Even if it's folding clothes and putting the laundry away? It might not be Iron Bridge, but it's all still part of doing God's work. And there's something about it that's very good. So let's embrace work and let's see the good in it. But let's move on to the multiple elephants in the room. Um, because you can take any example, I've given tons of examples, you can pick any one and come up with millions of holes in that specific example. Take the laundry. Because with the best will in the world, I don't think there's very many of us who actively enjoy folding clothes. I do. Rich, Rich does. <laughs> Which is good. We need people who like different things. Uh, but I find it repetitive, slow and boring. Or how about the sunflowers? This year, we tried to grow sunflowers and the, the squirrels at every single one of them. All on the same day. Brilliant. And worst of all, What about the Iron Bridge example? It's about coal mining. There were children working in those 18th century mines. And today, in many parts of the world, there almost certainly are still plenty of children working down in the mines. And let's not even get started on the complexities of the Industrial Revolution that it triggered or the climate change that comes from fishing out coal from the ground and burning it. The clear reality that all of us have experienced is that work is cursed. That good picture of work in Genesis chapter 1 and 2 gets screwed up along with everything else after Eve and Adam choose to eat the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the forbidden fruit. Um, Here's the the curse God says to Adam in Genesis chapter 3. He says, because you've eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. Because as as mankind, we've, we've gone our own way. We've turned our back on God. And as a result, his good world of harmonious relationship and satisfying work has been shattered. And it's... It's really important that we recognise this. The ground itself has changed now. Work is hard, it's frustrating, it's toilsome. And whatever work means for you, it's been affected by the fall and will be characterised by broken, difficult relationships and disappointing outcomes. And sometimes the effect of the curse is to remove the goodness of work altogether. Um, When we first moved to Manchester, I was unemployed for several months looking for work and I found that a pretty grim experience. Without a clear purpose during working hours, I just felt a bit useless, a bit good for nothing, a bit unwanted. And for loads of people, through no fault of their own, the ability to work has been taken from them. And that's an evil that comes out of the fall. There's another important effect of sin on our work, and that is the small, minor inconvenience of our own sin and our own sinfulness. Because we can't get away from the fact that one of the things that makes work difficult is our own selves. We can't blame it all on even the serpent. If we scoot forward a few chapters to Genesis chapter 11, we get the story of the Tower of Babel. A famous story where we discover that humans and our sin infects our attitude to work as well. We've talked plenty about how building stuff and creating things is part of God's good plan for creation and mankind. But the inhabitants of Babel took that and used it to try and glorify themselves and set themselves up as a people apart from God and used his good gift against him. And in just the same way, it's super easy for you and for me to take the gifts that God has given us and attempt to use them to glorify ourselves. We can do things like start working to build up our own wealth or our own security. We can start working to try and escape from difficult situations wherever they may be. We can start working to build up a reputation for ourselves or an identity as an achiever. But when we try to take something good like work and chase after it, we will inevitably discover that it's like trying to find the pot of gold at the end of a rainbow. Take the example of King Solomon. Solomon. Um, who achieved more than any of us in his lifetime check out his words from Ecclesiastes chapter T Solomon said I undertook great projects I built houses for myself and planted vineyards I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them I made reservoirs to water groves of flourishing trees I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me in all this my wisdom stayed with me I denied myself nothing my eyes desired I refused my heart no pleasure my heart took delight in all my labour and this was the reward for all my toil yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve everything was meaningless a chasing after the wind nothing was gained under the sun we we need to be realistic. Um, Sebastian and I were joking about how the, uh, the, the cups, the reusable cups, we can keep them forever. That's not true. We can keep them until they break or we die or they disappear or nothing lasts forever. Jesus does. Jesus does. <laughs> we should expect our work and our toil, our creations and our achievements to be good, but ultimately not satisfying. In this life, there's no such thing as the perfect job. There's no such thing as the perfect lifestyle. And there's no such thing as perfect work. So, it's tricky, isn't it? <laughs> work is good. Work is cursed. And what does it mean for us today? Well, let's, let's follow the Bible's teaching on work through into the New Testament. Um, so, Paul... Uh, writes into a particularly cursed work situation uh, in in his letter to the Colossians, and that is the the situation of a slave. Um, He's not writing this to kind of condone slavery or anything like this, but um, this is Colossians, I think it's chapter 2. It might be chapter 3. I didn't write the chapter number. It's chapter 3, is it? There we go. Slaves, obey your masters on earth in everything. Don't just obey like people-pleasers when they're watching. Instead... Obey with the single motivation of fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, do it from the heart for the Lord and not for people. You know that you will receive an inheritance as a reward. You serve the Lord Christ. There's all all kinds of things to be said about these verses that can be said another time. But for now, you're not a slave. And you probably have more life options open to you than the slaves that Paul was writing to. But the basic point is still the same and it's still valid uh, for all of us. If we're a follower of Jesus, how you work is way more important than what exactly it is that you're doing. God doesn't care, really, if you are a barista or a barrister. Because both of those jobs... Both of those jobs can be done lazily. Both of those jobs can be done deceitfully. And both can be done arrogantly. And God will be angry either way. But also, they can both be done wholeheartedly, with honesty and integrity. They can be done with an attitude of love for your customers, care for creation. And they can bring joy to the world, whether that's a freshly brewed Colombian roast or um, a not guilty verdict. <laughs> and God will treat this kind of work as part of our worship of him. And that's great. <laughs> and it's, it's it's not to say that we shouldn't think carefully about what sort of work we want to be doing. Of course not. We We're all very different and we should be looking for work that uses the particular gifts and talents that god has blessed us with Uh, we should be looking for work that we're inherently interested in Um, we should look for places that develop our character in ways that will make us more like jesus if we spend 20 years there we should be looking for ways to serve the common good and also we need to be in places that leave us the space and the time to rest well because i haven't really talked about rest and we're going to get onto that next week but rest is a critically important part of God's good creation plan for mankind. So I'd say if your, if your job doesn't allow you like a day a week where you don't have to think about it, then maybe that's a red flag. Jesus wants us to work well, but that's different to working all the time. Um, and it, Actually, it's different to working hard, I think, personally. Maybe that's a discussion point for afterwards. That's not in the Bible. <laughs> One last point um, on working as a follower of Jesus, and then we're done. Because I've spent the last 20 minutes trying to say that fundamentally work is a good thing and, sometime, and something that we need to engage positively with as believers. But there's obviously a danger because we're in a we're in a hyper-individualistic society. We're in a very, very pro-work society that holds. People like Steve Jobs, Ed Sheeran and Cristiano Ronaldo as kind of idols and role models and heroes. And they're all workaholics. And to an extent, it's really easy for us to define ourselves by what we do. And I think that's absolutely true because what's the first thing that you ask somebody that you meet for the first time? Nine times out of ten, what do you do? We just naturally assume that our work is the most important part. Of our identity. So I'm going to finish with a verse that will balance this out. Hopefully. It comes when the Apostle Peter wants to remind the people that he's writing to of their truest identity. He says in 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9. You are a chosen people. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. A people belonging to God. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness. And into his wonderful light. That's who we are. We're not job titles. We're not tinkers and tailors and soldiers and sailors. When God looks at us, he sees a family of flesh and blood that he's chosen for himself. Whoever you are and whatever you do, whether you're looking forward to Monday morning or dreading it, remember that you belong to God. He's bought you with the precious blood of Jesus. He's called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Work is good, yes, and we should celebrate and embrace it. But the grace of Jesus Christ is even better. Amen. I'm going to pray, and then Jake's going to lead us in worship of that God of grace. Father God, we thank you um, for all of the good things that you've given us uh, in your creation. And we thank you for work. We thank you for rest. We thank you for beauty. Um, And we pray that um, we would be remembering you as its creator. Worshipping you as the creator of all of this. um, And not the the created things that we see around us. Help us this week, uh, wherever our our front lines are and whatever we're doing, um, to thank you for the opportunities that you've given us. um, And revel in our identities as children of you. Amen.